People of God, this is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Friends, welcome to worship with Morrisville Presbyterian Church. Whether you are a longtime member or worshiping with us for the very first time, we welcome you. It is a delight to be worshiping alongside you this day. Friends, in a multitude of ways over the last year, our congregation has continued to adapt and change amidst an ever-changing landscape and mission and ministry. And much of that endeavor from early 2020 to March 2021 has now been documented in our Morrisville Presbyterian Church annual report. During 2020, you may or may not have noticed, but we did not produce a, an annual report. There were a few other things going on, occupying our time, but that report has come together, and we are delighted. Uh, we encourage you to read it. It will be available on our website soon, but today it is available on the website, or excuse me, in the email that was sent to you about worship. If you are on our email list at all, that should be in your inbox. If you would like a paper copy of this report, those will be made available in future weeks after worship, and you can also be in touch with the church office to receive one. But we do hope you will take the time to read it. It is all, in my opinion, it is all about the ways that the Spirit of God has been moving in our midst, and the many ways that we have continued to worship God and serve God's people in this difficult year. For much of the year, the sanctuary has been closed, but the church has remained very open. And so please take a moment to read our annual report and be reminded of that truth throughout this, throughout this past year. Friends, in these weeks after Easter, we continue to announce the good news of Easter. We journey alongside those early disciples as they encountered the risen Christ. And so may we, in our worship today, open ourselves to the good news that he is risen. He is risen indeed. Let us worship God together. Please turn to your bulletin and join me in our responsive call to worship. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Praise God's holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all God's benefits, for this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Beloved church, we come to praise the Lord with all of our soul. We gather to turn ourselves towards God's direction, grace, and mercy. So let us do so now by admitting our shortcomings and confessing our sins, using the prayer of confession as it is printed in your bulletin, followed by a time for silent confession. God of mercy, we confess that we have not borne the fruit of the Spirit. We have not loved others as you have loved us. We have failed to see one another as you see us. Over and over again, we have denied the promises of baptism and cut ourselves off from you. Forgive us. Restore us, that we may abide in your love and live out your mercy 
for the sake of Jesus Christ. Beloved church, God's mercy is from everlasting to everlasting. We have been redeemed from the clutches of sin and death and marked as Christ's own forever. In thanksgiving, let us proclaim the good news of the gospel. In Jesus Christ, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. Alleluia. Amen. friends and those who are young in heart and young in spirit it is good to be with you this morning and as usual I have a question for you has there ever been a time that you needed directions I found myself needing directions on Wednesday it was a really nice day and my friend Bailey suggested we meet at a park and so I put on my bug spray and my sunscreen and I got in the car and I started to drive and about halfway there I realized I didn't have my phone which meant I didn't have a map and it was a park I had never been to before and I came to an intersection and I didn't know whether to turn right or to turn left to get to the park. There's a character in this morning's Bible story that Pastor Alex is going to read in a second who finds themselves in a similar situation. This person wasn't lost as I, I was lost. They were lost. They were reading a book that they didn't quite understand. And so this person was reading a book, and a man named Philip came to them and asked, do you understand what you are reading? And the person who was reading said, how can I? I can't understand it unless someone gives me directions, unless someone guides me. And so Philip became the guide that that person needed. All of us, you and me and everyone here, we all need guides. We have choices we make every day, and sometimes we need people to help. Like I needed the map and the person reading needed Philip. There are many things to learn from the Bible story this morning, but one of them is that we need guides. So this morning, I ask you to think of someone, someone who helps you when you make decisions, people who are smart and wise, and people in your life who know Jesus. These people could be your families, it could be your friends. It could be people who are sitting here at church. It could be people who are sitting at home next to you on the couch. These are your guides. And it's helpful to remember them and to turn to them in times when you need directions and when you need help. Let us pray. Repeat after me. Dear God, 
Thank you for your love. Help us to share it with others. Thank you for our guides. With your help, let us be guides to others. Amen. It's good to see you, young friends. As we turn now to listen to the word of God proclaimed this day, let us prepare our hearts and minds in prayer. God who journeys alongside us and within us, calm our hearts and quiet our senses so that we might hear your word and proclaim your good news with our voices and actions this day. In your holy name we pray. Amen. Our scripture passage this morning comes from the book of Acts, chapter 8, verses 26 through 40. Listen for the word of the Lord. Then an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Get up and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a wilderness road. So he got up and went. Now there was an Ethiopian eunuch, a court official of the Candace, queen of the Ethiopians in charge of her entire treasury. He had come to Jerusalem to worship and was returning home. Seated in his chariot, he was reading the prophet Isaiah. Then the spirit said to Philip, Go over to this chariot and join it. So Philip ran up to it and heard him reading the prophet Isaiah. He asked, do you understand what you are reading? He replied, How can I unless someone guides me? And he invited Philip to get in and sit beside him. Now the passage of the scripture that he was reading was this. Like a sheep he was led to the slaughter, and like a lamb silent before its shearer, so he does not open his mouth. In his humiliation, justice was denied him. Who can describe the, his generation? For his life is taken away from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, About whom, may I ask you, does, this prophet say, does the prophet say this? About himself or about someone else? Then Philip began to speak, and starting with this scripture, he proclaimed to him the good news about Jesus. As they were going along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What is to prevent me from being baptized? He commanded the chariot to stop, and both of them, Philip and the eunuch, went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord snatched Philip away, 
The eunuch saw him no more and went on his way rejoicing. But Philip found himself at Azotus, and he and as he was passing through the region, he proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, let us pray together again. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. Melt us, mold us, fill us and use us. Spirit of the living God, fall afresh on us. And to that end, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight. O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, friends, as we've been saying, in these weeks after Easter, we are journeying through a number of encounters with the risen Christ. And today we move from the Gospels into the book of Acts, which is officially called the Book of the Acts of the Apostles, but might as well be called the Book of the Acts of the Holy Spirit. You see, in the book of Acts, we are living in the Spirit-filled wake of the resurrection, The good news of the gospel is being shared near and far, and in the first chapter of Acts, after the resurrection, right before Jesus ascends into heaven, Jesus says to his disciples, you, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you, you, you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. In other words, God's going to get a hold of you. You will be filled with the Spirit of God, and when that happens, there will be no limits to what God can do, no limits to where God can go. Now, before we jump into Acts 8 today, I want to remind you there are three characters in this story today. First, there's Philip, an agent of God, sent by one of God's messengers, we are told, to journey down a wilderness road, a connector road in the middle of nowhere, in the middle of the day. To be clear, this is a wild and ridiculous request at best. At worst, this is a downright dangerous dangerous request. No one goes down these wilderness roads alone in the middle of the day, seemingly for no reason. But the Spirit says, go, and Philip is on his way. 
Second, we meet a person who, as Dr. Matthew Skinner describes, is unfortunately remembered not by his name but inelegantly as the Ethiopian eunuch. This is a person who is African, a chief treasurer of the Nubian queen, most likely a woman who rules over Moreau, which is a well-established state south of Egypt. The person who, who works at the word of the queen is a wealthy person, influential, likely very important in society, but his identity as a eunuch would have made him widely despised or mocked by the ancient readers of Acts. And even though the text tells us that he was traveling home from worship in Jerusalem, keep in mind he would not have been granted access to the temple where he came to worship, given his sexual state. Additionally, for any ancient readers of this text, his identity as an Ethiopian would have certainly conjured images of a person, a culture exemplifying mystery, perhaps someone truly from the ends of the earth. Remember that word from Jesus? And though this person may have been an insider in his own context, he absolutely was an outsider to the faith he was reading on the pages of Isaiah. And third, remember there's a third character at work here in this story. Third, we encounter the Spirit of God. A spirit who is one way or another bound and determined to move the gospel to take the church where it has never been before. The Spirit of God is perhaps the most important character in this story because, as Will Williman proclaims, if the good news is being preached out there, it is always the work of God, not of people. And that makes a lot of sense to me, because as I read this text, I, I have no doubt Philip had other plans for his day. He's making a name for himself in Samaria, by the way, performing miracles, telling others about the good news of Jesus Christ. Philip had other plans for his day when he awoke that morning in Samaria. Probably a list of things to do, people to see. Worship was at a particular time. Miracles needed to be performed. People needed to be converted. And when I think about God being at work here, perhaps even more than the people, I also have no doubt that the Ethiopian had other plans for his day. He awoke in Jerusalem that morning, had been there for worship. Again, not able to actually enter the temple, but he was there. And he was headed home. He had a long journey. Egypt is far away. He has other plans for his day. But Spirit showed up. The third character, the Spirit, showed up, and suddenly it didn't matter what Philip's plans were. It didn't matter what the Ethiopian's plans were. What mattered was what God's plans were. And suddenly the other two plans of the other two characters didn't matter much at all. 
An old preaching professor of mine, Dr. Cleo LaRue, once stood in the pulpit of Miller Chapel at Princeton Seminary and proclaimed in his fiery Baptist voice, when the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, you're going to have to go to Staples because you're going to need a whole new planner because God's plans will not be your plans. God's plans are always bigger than your plans. God's plans are grander than your plans. God's plans are more fantastical, more uncomfortable, far more limitless than your plans. God's plans are going to surprise you every time, if you'll let them. When the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, because let's be clear, there is no reason why Philip, no reason why Philip would have found himself on a desert road in the middle of the day, except for the Spirit of God. There is no way Philip would have approached such a high official, a foreigner from the ends of the earth in his chariot, except for the Spirit of God. There is no reason why that Ethiopian, that high court official of the queen, would have welcomed a stranger, seemingly a, a vagabond into his chariot off a wilderness road, except for the Spirit of God. There is no reason why this Ethiopian eunuch would have received help understanding scripture from the vagabond off the road, except for the Spirit of God. There is no reason, frankly, why Philip needed to interpret Scripture in such a way that it spoke love and inclusion for the person that he found himself sitting next to, except for the Spirit of God. There's no reason water should be found in the middle of the desert in the middle of the day except the Spirit of God. There's no reason why this Ethiopian eunuch from the ends of the earth should have wanted to be baptized at all except for the Spirit of God. Some may call it coincidence, some may call it a fantastical dream. It appears too good to be true, too fortuitous to be possible, too strange to be comfortable. But to my mind, and I would argue to the writer of Acts, even if it does appear fantastical, even if it does seem like a dream or too good to be true, does it not still also point to the truth, the truth that one way or another, the Spirit of God finds a way. Here in our scripture today, you have two people from entirely different stations in life from entirely different regions of the world, from different religious backgrounds, from different traditions, orientations, experiences, and the Spirit of God got a hold of both of them, and they both said yes to that mighty hold of God. 
They both allowed God's spirit to lead them. And the gospel of the Lord found its way to the ends of the earth. I want to tell you about a man named Bruce. Over 30 years ago, in a dusty church basement in East Camden, New Jersey, Spirit of God got a hold of Bruce and a couple of his friends who were also college-aged missionaries. You see, this group of friends had been inspired by the work of Tony Campolo, who is a renowned speaker and author known for his call for Christians to seek justice for the poor, liberation for the oppressed. Bruce and his friends, with the help of the Holy Spirit, conceived of a vision for something new, something new to serve the people of Camden and especially its children. Somewhere safe, somewhere loving, somewhere, somewhere new and fun and creative, away from the danger of the city streets where they could thrive. Well, the Spirit of God got a hold of Bruce and wouldn't let go, wouldn't let up. Bruce could not rest. It became an obsession, almost. And Bruce told stories of all the nutty ideas they had tried to get people interested in their vision. At one point, he and his friends procured an old school bus somehow. I didn't ask questions how, but they began driving it through the streets of Camden as they built relationships in the neighborhood. And they tried plenty of ideas. Some of them worked, some of them didn't, but the Spirit wouldn't quit. The Spirit kept calling, leading, pushing, shoving. Bruce saw so much need in the world, particularly in this place called Camden and so many desperate places where God's love was needed. And with an initial budget of just $12,000 and a nearly all-volunteer staff out of a dusty church basement, urban promise began to take form in the streets of Camden. And for those of you who don't know Urban Promise, Urban Promise is now a faith-based nonprofit in Camden. It has taken root in other countries around the world. And now in Camden alone operates from a budget of over $4.4 million a year. It employs approximately 50 full-time employees, 20 part-time employees, and approximately 100 young people in Camden with part-time jobs throughout the year. Today, through after-school programs, summer camps, two different schools, job training, experiential learning, Urban Promise seeks to equip children and young adults with the skills necessary for academic achievement, life management, spiritual growth, and leadership. And within this community, they have also begun to empower young teen leaders, known as street leaders, through tutoring, mentoring. These are the street leaders who coach the younger children, who mentor the younger children in the community. And these teens, 
through the forming and shaping of, orb, of urban promise and along with the Spirit of God, they are being molded and shaped as a new generation of visionary leaders who embody this commitment to change their own community. Boy, when the Spirit of God gets a hold of you in a dusty church basement, perhaps we all should pay attention. Because God's plans are never our plans. God's plans are bigger than our plans. God's plans are grander than our plans. They're more fantastical, more uncomfortable, far more limitless than the plans we might create for ourselves. When the Spirit of God gets a hold of us. But it's not lost on me that most of us can look at this story of Bruce and his vision with awe and wonder, thinking, wow, that is great. I can't do that. I'm not going to do that. That's wonderful. I bless it. But I could never do that. But the Spirit of God, the Spirit of God passes limits we cannot imagine. And so I want to tell you about Bill. Bill was a well-respected lawyer in town, nearing retirement. He was fairly wealthy, but didn't flaunt that anywhere. He and his wife traveled a good bit, but it was mostly to see their children and their grandchildren, who were scattered around the country. Bill was a regular volunteer at church. He played a lot of golf. He led a full life. But one night, Bill made the mistake of attending a fundraiser for a local nonprofit. And I say mistake because those were Bill's words, not mine. He attended a fundraiser and listened to the stories of young people in Camden whose lives had been molded and shaped and changed by a nonprofit called Urban Promise. And Bill sat in that auditorium that night and heard these stories and could not stop weeping. Weeping to an embarrassing degree, Bill describes. He tells this story of his wife looking at him like a deer in the headlights in the dark of this auditorium, trying to get Kleenex out of her purse, but she only brought a few, and Bill is just beside himself, weeping in these pews, and he said to me, my life changed forever that night. You know, it started small. First I wrote a check, volunteered on a couple of Saturdays, but then Bill couldn't get enough. He began to get his friends involved, his partners at work involved. He got his church involved. He began volunteering not just once in a while, but every weekend, and then he became a student mentor. It was a mentor program when Urban Promise matches one of their students with a volunteer or a donor. And that's when Bill met Devante, a kindergartner. And in just a few weeks, in just a few weeks' time, Bill will watch Devante graduate from high school 
And because of Devante's invitation, Bill, in a COVID pandemic graduation, will be one of the people honored with a front row seat. And I asked Bill once how he felt about that mistake he made all those years ago, attending that fundraiser. And he replied, it was the best mistake I ever made. And then he pulled out of his wallet a note that was shoved inside. It had clearly been there for a while. And at the top it said, Devante, fourth grade. And in the note it said, Dear Mr. Bill, I love you. Thank you for being a part of my life. When the Spirit of God gets a hold of you, when the Spirit of God gets a hold of you. Amen. We invite you to stand. And as you do so, go ahead. we invite you to stand. And as, as you do so, please turn to your bulletin and join me as we affirm our faith through the words of the Apostles' Creed. Together, let us state what we believe. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. Having heard the word proclaimed, let us reflect and notice the movement of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and in our lives. As we do so, we'll hear hymn number 726, Will You Come and Follow Me? And it is offered both as response and praise.
Let us pray. God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, God with us yesterday, today, and forevermore, on our pilgrimage, on the way towards unity with you, we pray that your Spirit may get a hold of us and walk beside us. We ask that you open our eyes and open our hearts to your presence among us this day and the days ahead. In this season of renewal and opening, we give you thanks for the many ways we see your creation blossoming. Familiarity of things old once again taking place and the transformation of things new embarking before our eyes. And they are all entwined together in a way we did not expect or plan for. Yet in your mystery and guidance, there are many blessings for which we display our gratitude this day. Almighty God and Jesus Christ, you taught us to pray. So guide us by your Holy Spirit as we pray for our world. You sent your Son to break down the walls of hostility that divide us. So send us your peace and vanquish our greed, pride, and anger, which turn nation against nation and people against people. As our ears hear the prayers of our siblings in India, suffering under the weight of the pandemic, we ask that you free our souls to our inner cries of lament and turn our bodies towards love of our global neighbors. As we carry the burdens of caregiving for parents and children, of health concerns and diagnoses, of all kinds of burdens we do not have the words to name. We seek your healing and comforting hand, O God, your peace that surpasses all understanding. Spirit of the living God, strengthen this congregation in its work, worship, and life. Fill our hearts with your self-giving love. Guide our voices to your never-ending praise. Conform our lives to the image of your Son. Nourish us with your word, with your grace, with your plans, so that we might say yes to the Spirit of God taking a hold on our hearts, so that we may minister in your name and witness to your love for all the world to see. We pray all these things in the name of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, who taught us how to pray, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, 
as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Friends, the Spirit of God is out there, running wild and free, waiting for our hearts to open and welcome it in. And I know we each have plans, but God's plans are so much grander, so much more limitless, so much more fantastical, and so much more wonderful than we can even imagine or fathom. And so as you go, may you open your hearts to the Spirit of God, Spirit of God that's ready to get hold of you, if you would say yes. As we go, may the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you, be with those you love, be with those you are called to love, this day and forevermore. And together we say, Amen.